Hey, girl. Hey, welcome back to my podcast. It's your girl, Bella, and you are listening to Girl Talk with Bella. What's up, guys? What's poppin'? How are you doing? How your mama doing? How your daddy doing? How your uncle doing? How your brother doing? How your cousins doing? How your family is hanging to this difficult time? How's everybody doing? How's the lockdown? You know what? To be honest with you, I actually lost track on how many times my state ordered a lockdown. This time it's like the normal for me. And I'm not the type of person that goes out anyway. So I'm like, eh, I don't, I really don't really care. But I do care for people's safety, you know? So I don't really know. Maybe like 5, 8, 10, 15. I don't know. And I know some of you just want to pull your hair out. Yes, I get it. A lot of you are not comfortable or used to working from home and you want that people interaction that you usually normally get when things were normal anyways guys a little recap from last week's episode and on our way to kenya the boat becomes lighter um, people have passed away and people are being thrown overboard and then we live in this little mansion that was owned by uh by grandma's friend um that didn't last too long we end up being in the camp and here we are for part two. And after my parents reprimand me of taking things for the missionary guy, they make sure that I just was safe and make sure that next time if I do take things from the missionary people that they have to be present. Especially my mom, she was freaking out, which I get it now understanding everything. I get it. You are a mom. You have to protect your child no matter what circumstance you are in. And, and after a while, we haven't seen any missionaries come by, help out and stuff like that, you know? Um, so anyways, the drama, the tea, the fighting, the kidnapping, the missing, the rape, all of that, yes, happens in the camp. So there were rumors going around in uh, the refugee camp that kids being kidnapped, which it was true. There were kids missing um, inside of the camp. And you're probably wondering, okay, how do these people go missing? Well, first of all, they could get, uh, they could go with somebody that they feel comfortable with and get kidnapped. They could get, uh, sold, uh, to a different family in a different country. They could like get taken away by um, animals. One of the stories that people keep bringing up is, um, you know, amongst the refugee community that some of these missionary people uh, take these um, young kids and go back wherever they came from so the kids will never see their families or, you know, stuff like that. The stories, that's what I hear back then that, that's what they believe, that missionaries are taking the children. So that's why a lot of family didn't feel comfortable after that when they heard the rumors that missionaries are taking children uh, to, to, to rich uh, families, which that's scary itself, you know. I wouldn't even put past that because there are evil people in this world. And I'm not saying all missionaries do that. But again, nobody has proof. It's just rumors. And the other thing I want to put um, light to is women getting raped in the camp. When you're poor, you're refugee, and some of these people that are supposed to help you, I sometimes feel like, and they can't say nothing because they want to have a better life in a different country and to have a better life for their children um, or their whole family. So they don't say nothing. You hear these horror stories that people talk about that um, – they get raped and they can't say nothing or else they'd be taken off the list or stuff like that. I hear stories that after they arrived in a different countries, they begin to tell their story, what happened in a camp. And it's traumatizing to get to get 
um, sexual abused mentally, emotionally, physically, and then some of these people are still traumatized to this day. How do you prove it? There's no proof. How do you do that? And some of these people don't even want to talk about it, let alone to confront these uh, their attackers. So um, I hope they get the therapy they need now. They're in a different country, but it's been like, what, 25, 26 years? You know, I don't know how long it takes someone to get a full recovery um, therapy. Um, but it doesn't, though. Sometimes it doesn't. They have nightmares. It's it's just so sad. And I don't know if they change the rules, the guidelines, and update it and have really full consequence for these people that are attacking these innocent people at the camp. So I do honestly don't know, but I'm sure things have changed. It's 2020, and there are a lot of rules. Back then when I was in the camp, there were a lot of male um, helpers or people who help the refugee in the refugee camp. But now they're a mixture of females and males. So maybe things are a little different. I don't know how camps are right now at any refugee camp. Um, I just hope that people don't go through uh, terrible things. And I hope that people don't get um, abused sexually, mentally, and emotionally because it traumatized these people, especially when they're asking you for help. And there also there were there were teenagers who didn't have any family members, no parents, nobody, and they were actually getting abused the most. They had some of these camp helpers to look after them. And I can't even imagine the horrific things that they even encountered as a teenager. I'm talking about 13, 14, 15. You don't have any parents, no family, nothing. This is horrible, you know. I uh, hope they still get in therapy for this. And the other thing I want to talk about is drama at the camp. Yes, of course. We're human. At the end of the day, we always have drama. No matter the type of lifestyle that you live, there's always drama. You know, there are people that go into people's um, hut. And stealing became something like, okay, I have to survive to to actually um, supply for my children. And I remember my parents were like, uh-uh, this is not what's up. So my parents did something smart. They kind of like dug uh, a hole in the sand um, and put all their valuables in the sand. And, and then they put a mattress on top of that. So people want to steal their valuables. I thought which was so smart, like dig a hole, put all your valuable in there, put like a mattress on top of that, and nobody would know. I mean, who's going to know? Nobody would know. Um, but that's what they did because my mom had like jewelries that she had from her wedding. My dad had like a watch that was given to him by his dad. And, you know, that was valuable to them. Even though we didn't had anything, that was valuable to them. Um, people would steal um, clothes. Yes, clothes. They would steal clothes. And then you would see so-and-so wearing, like, so-and-so's um, top or, like, pants, like, headscarf, or whatever the case may be. Like, and they start fighting. It gets ugly. Basically, how I see it is the survival of the fitness. But at the end of the day, all these people kind of help each other. Like, when somebody don't have enough food, they bring food to them. Not everybody in the camp was full of drama, but, like, they make sure that everybody was okay. Even the camp, a lot of people made sure that people were eating. Yes, that's how humble a lot of these people were. And that's why I have to live my life that way. I don't want to think I'm better than anybody else because I'm not. And I don't want to flaunt a lifestyle that I don't even have, period. 
because I feel like social media kind of brainwashed a lot of people to think that if you look certain way, people are going to ex- uh, people are going to accept you. Heck no! What? <laughs> Either you're going to love me for who I am, or just don't love me at all. If I'm not true to myself, how am I true to you? That don't even make sense. That's like, oh my god, that don't even make sense to me. Like, make it make sense, you know? So that's why I like to remind myself, like, girl. Don't forget where you came from. Do not forget where you came from. Every time I try to get like a $300 dress, I'm like, (laughs) girl, you could feed a whole family with this $300 dress. You could find freaking $50 dress or probably lower than that. I think the most expensive dress that I ever worn was my wedding dress. And I still, until this day, have problem with it. And to this day, I still have problem with it. I think I'm just going to pass down to my daughter. And I just don't buy clothes just because for the fun of it. Maybe when I was like teenager, I want to buy clothes because I'm going to wear it. People that have a lot of clothes with the tag on, they have still worn it over three years. Like, you know what I mean? You could feed people with that. That's how I think. That's I'm, I think like that. I'm sorry. It's that's it's engraved. It's engraved in my head. So mom also started her business at the camp. Yes, my mom was a hustler. You guys, my mom was a hustler in the camp. So my mom will receive like abayas, like dresses, like scarves, like, you know, shoes from families from different countries. Her mom, her aunts or stuff like that. She would get that. Yes, you could get package delivered in the camp. I don't know how it works, but you can't. So my mom will receive gifts and stuff during like holidays, like Eid. And um, she would like flip it. You know, some of these people that lived in the camp have families from different countries, like UK, America, you, you name it, you know, from all different countries. And they send them money and clothes. And also some of these people work at the camp for the people. You follow me? So they work at the camp. They get money for that. So my mom knows that. She literally would take all the clothes that she wanted and just sell the things that she didn't want. That was she was getting as a gift. So and she she would get money for that. And she would go everybody's hut. I kid you not. This is kind of like funny in a way. But like that's a true hustler. She would go in people's hut and like, hey, you know, the holidays is coming. I have this dress. She would advertise like crazy. MashaAllah. About to get teary. My mom would go to these people hut and say, hey, look, I have this dress. And when you wear it, people are going to literally bow down to you because there is no material like this dress. Yes, my mom was that type of person that know how to advertise and sell it. My mom would sell it that quick, mashallah. And that's how she became a businesswoman. Till this day, she's still the best businesswoman I ever came across. Because if this woman could sell clothes at a refugee camp, she could sell anything anywhere. So she's like my biggest inspiration. She taught me so many things at an early age that I am very blessed. So that's why I like business so much because of my mom. I've seen her hustle. Sometimes I bring it up and she'd be like, yeah, that was the days. Yeah, that's how I started. You know, and she would tell my other siblings. It just makes it just puts big smile on my face like this woman literally started her business in a refugee camp and said, I could do this in a refugee camp. There's no excuse. What is stopping you from doing what you love? Just because you in a in a circumstance doesn't mean that your life is over. It's only temporary. If you allow this to think that, oh, you can't do this, then you allowed it already, that you haven't believed in yourself. Nothing is stopping you but yourself.
seriously, guys. Uh, once in a while, I'll bring this up to my parents. And my mom was like, yeah, good memories. You know, it taught me a lot. It taught me how to be humble. And I also told my dad, I said, Dad, I remember that even when you were weak, you were still helping people. You know, because there will be new refugee families moving in to like the next hut. Uh, he would help them get their things set settled. That he would like, if you need help, let me know. Man, these people were so humble. They were helping people move in in the refugee camp, making sure that everything was okay. My parents cook and stuff for these new people. It's amazing to me. Like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, right now, like, oh my gosh, a lot of these people are freaking spoiled. They wouldn't even survive in a refugee camp. Period. They wouldn't even survive in a refugee camp. How would they? You know? Finally, we get the great news. And they tell us that you guys are ready to go to America. Parents jump up and down, so excited. Hugs the kids, kiss the kids. I know what, what was going on at that moment. Um, we They told us to get our luggage and stuff ready within like um, three weeks. They gave us shots to make sure that we don't have chicken pox or measles or uh, whatever they look for. When you arrive to a different country, they give you these whole bunch of shots. So we're scheduled to go. We all get in this truck with our luggage and stuff going to the airport. We're like so freaking excited. We're so excited. My mom is smiling. She's looking. She, there's tears in her eyes. My dad is smiling. There's tears in his eyes. I'm smiling, confused, eating mabuyu. Mabuyu is a, can, a Kenyan candy. My lips was red. And now I remember they were crying because they were happy. And um, my mom and dad cried all the way to the airport. And now we were in the only families. There were 200 families at the airport. Yes, 200 families. They're all crying and happy. And we all looked like we all looked like something from the history book. It was such a beautiful moment. It's like freedom. It's like happiness. Some of these some of these people didn't have family with them. Um the like teenagers, you know, who they're gonna hug. That they're ready to go to America, nobody. They would sit in, like, the bench, wait for the flight, like the rest of us. They would cry. I remember their um, people would be surrounded these orphan teenagers and kids and hug them as well. It's such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful moment not to realize that. As a kid, I was just, you know, people are crying, they're just happy. Now I know that they're happy because... They could build their dream. They could build their life all over again. You know? I don't know the trauma they went through. Not a single person knows but them. And you know what hurts me the most? Is when people would say some stupid stuff like, go back to your country. And I would just laugh. I said, if they only knew how strong I was, their words can never hurt me. Because their words are meaningless to me. It doesn't hurt me because I have been in far more worse things. And that's why I laugh in their face and they look at me like I'm crazy, you know? It was just such beautiful memories. It was the first time I ever saw an airport at the Kenyan airport. Yes, it was the most beautiful scene. It was something from a um, award-winning film.
like everybody cheering, happy, loving, caring, and kissing each other, and so excited. And then finally, when they called our flight number, everybody was in line. Everybody was in line. And people were cheering and clapping, and there were people were cheering us and saying, good luck, and some of the missionaries were there and just congratulating us. And, you know, as, as the last person enters the plane, we wave goodbye to Kenya. Well, that's all for today, guys. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode on Girl Talk with Bella. Make sure to subscribe, share, and like. Until next time, peace and love.